flimsy side planking, sending deadly wooden splinters into weak and yielding flesh. The craft was broken in two long before she dropped back into the water, the occupants, the majority already wounded, spilling out into the sea. Those marines dead or too seriously harmed to discard their heavy packs sank like stones. Others fell to the same fate through blind panic, trying to swim with fifty-pound weights on their backs. A few, sailors and marines, had the sense to cling to life, using the wreckage of the boat to stay afloat, one hand struggling, in the lobster's case, to release the straps that held their equipment. Most of the men in Hebe's cutter stared straight ahead, those rowing trying to get them to the shore with as much haste as they could muster, the rest not wishing to observe too closely a fate that might well await them after the next salvo. But Markham was transfixed, his body stretching over the side as if he could hold out a helping hand to the lower section of a fellow officer, still sitting, legs twitching, in the only piece of the launch that looked whole. Midshipman Bernard, a pimply, pallid-faced slip of a youth who looked as if he were barely breached, turned as well, though the hand that held the tiller remained steady, his eyes examining the carnage with a studied lack of passion. "'There are survivors!' said Markham, still pointing. "'May God grant them mercy,' Bernard replied. "'God be damned!' Markham growled. "'Steer for the poor sods!' "'We have our orders, sir,' piped the midshipman. The seconds for which their eyes locked spoke volumes. That a sprog like Bernard should even dream of questioning a superior officer was singular. But the look on the boy's face, a sort of superior half-smile, showed an insolence as wounding as it was unwelcome. The youngster knew that aboard the frigate, being impertinent to Lieutenant George Markham was more likely to earn him discreet praise than a public rebuke. But the object of his condescension wasn't on the ship. He was in command of the marines in the cutter. The level of his anger exaggerated the Irish inflection in his voice. Put down your helm, you stinking short-ass little bugger! Or sure as hell is hot, I'll tip you into the bloody water myself! Sir, Bernard protested. Markham's face, red enough with passion to match his coat, came towards him so fast that Bernard thought he was about to be head-butted. Fear mingled with disgust at the sight of a king's officer, even one with Markham's reputation behaving in such a demeaning fashion. Do as you're damn well told, boy! Still, Bernard hesitated. It was a safe bet that Captain Delisle would back him if he disobeyed, since he took every opportunity to remind Markham how much he disliked having him aboard. But his captain wasn't here, and the marine officer was looking as if he would be as good as his word. Ship the Labradors, Bernard croaked, as he put down the tiller. The cutter swung in an arc until the prow was pointing towards the centre of the wreckage. All the way, even. Rannock, Markham yelled. His sergeant, huge, square-shouldered, half-turned from his position in the centre of the boat. Get Edric and Dornan stripped of their packs and ready to go over the side. They are floaters, sir, not real swimmers. Markham carried on as if Rannoch hadn't spoken. We can't get the survivors into the cutter, but try to get a hold on them. Every man who can't swim, between the oars to take one survivor. Sir, Rannoch replied crisply, before issuing his orders in a quiet tone. Edric and Dornan began to divest themselves of packs, belts, headgear and coats. The sergeant removed his own tricorn hat to wipe the sweat from his brow, 
revealing the blonde, near-white hair that, with his strong, square face and blue eyes, gave him an almost Viking appearance. The hat was lifted above his head, pointing as the second salvo came over. If fuse adjustments had been made, they produced little difference in the result, but one pair of guns had certainly been re-aimed, since those shells that did burst at a proper height landed right in the course that Midshipman Bernard had previously been steering. He had spun around to look, and when they exploded, what little blood he had left drained from his face completely. Then he turned to look at Markham, mouth moving in speechless shock. Paddy's luck, boyo, Markham said, following that with the disarming grin. Angry as he'd been, he knew that Bernard's attitudes merely aped that of every officer on the ship. They'd hated him enough before they'd ever reached the Mediterranean. After Toulon...